Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is hard to believe Wednesday already. This is the Wednesday edition of John Solomon Reports, and we've got a great show for you, an amazing guest. We've got President Trump's former ambassador to China, the long-term governor of Iowa. In fact, the longest-serving governor in American modern history. Governor Terry Branstad is here in the House in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about China, Uyghurs, trade, Taiwan, all of those issues, such an important interview. We can't keep enough focus on China. They're an important trading partner, and they're also a potential frenemy on the front lines of freedom, on American supremacy. They want to supplant us both as the economic and military superpower of the world. And Governor Branstad, Ambassador Branstad, is going to walk us through the very latest stuff. This is a really great interview, big interview. We're going to go take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Terry Branstad, the former ambassador for Donald Trump, to China. Big interview, big news right ahead. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a very important public servant who's had a profound effect on American politics and policy, the longest serving governor in modern American history, the governor of Iowa, and then President Trump's ambassador to China. Joining us right now is former governor, former ambassador, Terry Branstad. Mr. Governor, good to have you on the show. 
Well, John, thank you. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. Well, you've done so much in your public service career, but I want to focus on your last big assignment because as the ambassador to China, you were one of the most important moments, intersection of one of the most important moments in American-Chinese relationships. As you look right now, where is the U.S.-China relationship? Where does it stand at this very moment in history? Well, of course, we are the two largest economies in the world. We're very different systems. And China is a very important trading partner for the United States. But uh, we have a lot of areas of friction and disagreement. So it's a very delicate and difficult relationship. You know, I love being a governor, and I did serve a long time. And uh, President Trump uh, found out from my son my oldest son, Eric, who was the director of Trump's 2016 and 2020 campaigns, that I had a longtime relationship with Xi Jinping because I was the first American governor to host him. So I think that's why he chose me to be ambassador. Amazing. And it was a very interesting and challenging time to be there. That it, it had to be. I can only imagine because obviously the pandemic breaks out while you were there. The trade wars or the trade disputes and the tariffs are all happening. When people look at the relationship now, you know, some people say, well, they're clearly an enemy. Some people say they're clearly a friend. You know, when you look at China, how should Americans view them in a diplomatic sense? Are they friend? Are they enemy? Are they frenemy? What's the best way to look at them? Well, first of all, let me kind of separate the Chinese people from the government. The Chinese people have a great work ethic. They're very committed to education to their children. They're very family oriented. Unfortunately, they're saddled with a one-party communist totalitarian system. And they have a long history of dynasties where they had an emperor that ran the country and the emperor is considered to be blessed by God. So anything and everything he said is just gospel. And basically Xi Jinping is looked at, I think by a lot of the Chinese people as the present emperor. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the, the people themselves, they actually, I don't know if the word crave is right, but they actually appreciate American culture, right? And they love American, they, they love the quality and the safety of American food. And, and you know, it's 1.4 billion people. They don't have enough really good land to be able to feed themselves. And so they're very dependent on importing. And this is where uh, food products in particular, right. and uh, that's where... American food and American food products have a great reputation. They really do. And then, of course, they seem to also need access to American capital markets, right, for investment to grow their economy, their infrastructure. Those seem to be the two most important things in the American relationship that they need from us, right? Right. And in terms of the American business community, you know, going back to when under Deng Xiaoping, when China started to open up, We've made huge investments there, have been very helpful to them and played a very key role in seeing their admission to the World Trade Organization and all of that. They promised to do certain things which they have failed to do, and that's where President Trump insisted that we needed to have fairness and reciprocity in trade, and China needed to fulfill those long-term commitments. We have a very different value system. We value freedom and they really value stability. 
Fascinating. That's an interesting, uh, yeah, I haven't heard it put that way. And you, you did a really fun conversation over the summer with Governor Pete Ricketts, I think it was. And it was very interesting yep. to listen to your words about the trade dialogue and what was going on. As you look back, how impactful were the trade actions that the Trump administration took on your watch? And where does it set the course of that relationship now that we're heading into you know, uh, the ninth month, 10th month of the Biden presidency? Well, the trade relationship is extremely important. We are the two biggest economies in the world. China needs our food products, but we had never received fairness and reciprocity in the agreement. That's where Trump insisted and why he put in place the tariffs to get their attention. It did indeed get their attention, and it was a long, hard battle. And I would give Ambassador Lighthizer some really credit in getting a trade agreement that gives us more fairness and reciprocity and has led to record purchases of agriculture products. He also provided some needed protection for intellectual property rights, which the Chinese have historically not protected. Right. That was a big win. That was one of the areas where we started to make inroads on your watch. The one thing that didn't get done, which we had hoped and was part of the original trade discussions was to stop the subsidy of the Chinese of these uh, state-owned enterprises. And that did not get done. And that's certainly a market-distorting action that uh, China continues. And that is something that obviously we'd like to see addressed in the long term, but I haven't seen any uh, movement in that direction from the Biden administration to date. Are you surprised how much of the Trump-China policy the Biden administration has left intact? I mean, they, they've changed a few things, but they've pretty much embraced a lot of what you left behind when you left as ambassador. Surprising to you? Not surprising, because I think uh, there's a growing bipartisan consensus in the Congress and among the American people that China took advantage of us for too long, right. and we need to have more fairness and reciprocity in trade and in other relations. And so I give President Trump and uh, Mike Pompeo and Ambassador Lighthizer and Mnuchin real credit for insisting on that and for building a relationship with Leo Hu that has led to a better personal relationship. Yeah, that was such an important thing. Now, China's been in the headlines a lot in the last couple of months, not for trade so much as for provocation in the region, in the Pacific region, the flyovers and buzzing of Taiwan and the hypersonic missile. Right. When we look at that, you know, some Americans have heard our admirals in the Pacific fleet say we're losing our supremacy in the Pacific to China. How big a concern do you have, first, about China's growing military capability, and then second, their intentions as it relates to Taiwan? Well, I think it's something that we need to be very concerned about. And this started many years ago when they started to build those islands in the... uh, South Pacific? Yeah, well, in the uh, China Sea, the South China Sea. And and now they've militarized those islands. And now they've gotten more aggressive towards Taiwan. So that's a great concern. When you see what Xi Jinping has said about Taiwan, he wants Taiwan back under mainland China's control on his watch. So that's of great concern. Also, China is dramatically building its Navy. To counter that, we've had freedom of navigation and our Navy has traveled through the South China Sea on a regular basis. And every time we did that, uh, the uh, Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs would 
give me what they call a demarche. <laughs> yes. To me out for what the United States was doing. But that is extremely important, and it's a way for us to say to the rest of the smaller nations there in Asia that we understand and respect the fact that China does not own the South China Sea. Yeah. They use what they call a nine-dash line and claim it's theirs, but it is international water, and 30% of the world trade goes through there. It's important to all these other Asian countries. When you get one of those demarches, uh, what's it like to have to sit down and be scolded by the Chinese? Is that a, What type of moment is that? Well, it's interesting because, obviously, uh, I promise to deliver the message to the president, but I also respond with our position. So we try to be firm and not strong, but not hostile right. in that response. And so I got used to doing that on a regular basis. And uh, I had staff from the embassy, uh, from the political section, that was very helpful in preparing me for those demarches. And there were many of them. Yeah, I bet there were. Those amazing, Especially amazing moments. Especially involving freedom of navigation and Taiwan. Yeah. Anytime somebody from Taiwan visited the United States or anybody in the Congress or administration said something with regard to Taiwan, that's when I would hear <laughs> from uh, Zhang Chiguang, who was the deputy foreign minister of the uh, Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs. You did an amazing job because one of the things you have to balance with China beyond the economic and Taiwan is a, is a significant focus on human rights and particularly what's going on with the Uyghurs and, of course, the reduction of political freedoms in Hong Kong since China took over. I don't know if Americans know just how bad the situation is with the Uyghurs. What is something you want the American people to know about the human rights situation in China as it relates to Uyghurs and the curtailing of political freedom, free speech in, in Hong Kong? The Uyghurs are a Muslim group in northwest China. Yeah. It's a very isolated area. And, of course, the Chinese have really cracked down on them. Uh, there's tremendous amount of surveillance. It's almost like ethnic cleansing in the sense that they're really trying to take away their culture and their religion. And in many cases, they've been forced to go into these re-education camps to make them loyal Chinese communists as opposed to dedicated Muslims. Yeah, such an important issue to keep an eye on because it is one of the great freedom issues in the world right now. The frustrating thing for me was in visiting with the ambassadors from these other Muslim countries, right. asking them to speak up on that issue, and seldom would they do anything because they're intimidated by China's economic and military strength. That's a really interesting issue, right? China gets goodwill and leverage because it's investing in so many places, right? Africa, the Middle East, everywhere you go, China's got some sort of investment going on. They got billions of dollars and they have this Belt and Road Initiative. And, right. and obviously that has some impact. Also, what's happened in, of course, in the year 2020, when they cracked down on Hong Kong, you know, they had an agreement when Britain turned Hong Kong over to the Chinese right. that they would have one country, two systems. They'd have freedom of assembly and freedom of speech and an independent judiciary, basically China took action in the summer of 2020, right during the pandemic, and took all of that away from Hong Kong. 
Yeah, and we've had Jimmy lie on this show before he was in prison, the, the publisher, and you, you could yeah. hear the palpable frustration of having had freedom for so long and have it taken away, how painful it is once you're free to have those freedoms taken away. What's our best leverage on the human rights issues for America and also on Taiwan? Do we have Taiwan's back if China becomes more military aggressive? Well, we have a policy that was passed by the Congress back at the time that we recognized China that says that we will supply and trade with Taiwan and we've supplied substantial military support for Taiwan. So uh, we consider Taiwan a democratic entity and we try to do what we can to show our support for them. And yet we're very concerned about the more aggressive approach that China is taking towards Taiwan here in recent months. All right, sir. Well, John, I this. I've enjoyed seeing you on uh, Fox News on a number of occasions. Thank you, sir. I think you do a great job. So keep up the good work. Well, you do too. Your nation is in greatly in debt to all your public service. You've done amazing stuff from serving in the army to being an amazing governor and now one of the most important ambassadors. You have a very grateful country for your service as well, sir. Well, John, thank you. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you. Well, Mr. Ambassador, Governor, thank you so much for your time today. Such an important issue here for all Americans to consider. We're going to take a quick commercial break, folks. When we come back, get a load of this. You ready for this? I'm going to have a real criminal on the show who's going to tell you how he could steal my home. You ready for this? A real criminal, a guy who tried to steal the equity or actual homes of more than 150 Americans before he was caught. Today, he helps the FBI and law enforcement solve these crimes. But you're going to want to hear this. You know, my house could be vulnerable. Your house could be vulnerable. Our good partners at Home Title Lock are here with a great guest. I, I love this. This is great. I've been asking for this for some time. I wanted to find a real home title thief, and we found him. He's reformed, of course, and he's on the good side of the law now. But you're going to love this interview coming up now. Huh, my home's at risk. I'm nervous, but come back. You're going to love it. And then we'll wrap things up for the day. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, most of us equate identity theft with suspicious activity on a credit card. They send you a new card and that's that, you're safe. 
the identity theft you need to worry about most is called home title theft because it could cost you your home. Now, I asked our friends at Home Title Lock if they know any home title thieves to explain how this crime works, and they did know one. CNBC's American Greed calls my next guest, Matthew Cox, one of the most prolific identity thieves ever, which is why he now helps the FBI and the Secret Service to understand home title theft. Matthew, glad to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on. It's an honor to have you on. Uh, this is a, a crime that is becoming more and more common. I want to see, just get right to the biggest point. How did you pull off stealing other people's homes? Well, the problem with the crime is that there are various ways that I can do it. So it's honestly, it's just not that difficult. I basically would just transfer someone's deed into a name of a person that I either was in control of or someone that I actually was. So let's say a stolen identity, or maybe I just make up a name. Wow. And I would transfer your title from your name into my name, and then I would record that title and or that document in public records, you know, in any city's downtown public records office. I mean, anybody can do it. And then of course now I now the house is in my name. So then I just I either sell the house right. or I borrow against the house from, you know, the bank. I would go into Sometimes I would rent a house and I would satisfy the loans on the house. And then I would just sometimes just use the name of the person who owned the house and just come up with an ID. And then I would go borrow money from several lenders. And then I'd, I'd go to closings. I'd get the checks and deposit the money into various bank accounts, remove the money, leave. And then, then when the banks or financial institutions start to foreclose, suddenly that homeowner realizes someone just took out $400,000 or a million dollars in mortgages on my property in my name. Wow. And now they have to deal with the FBI or the local police and, you know, whoever, whoever they need to try and report the crime to. Right. A lot of times those local police officers are just ill-equipped to even understand what's happening because it's just not something that they're used to. And a lot of times they'll try and say, well, it's not criminal. It's civil. You borrowed the money. And you're saying, I didn't borrow the <laughs> yeah, money. Exactly. I didn't even know what happened. Right. Yeah. Right. And so now you have to go out and hire an attorney, try and get the attorney to believe you, try and get law enforcement to help, try and get the attorney and law enforcement to go to the banks and negotiate with the banks to try and explain to them not to foreclose on you. So, you know, if you have 50 or $100,000 sitting aside that you can blow on that, yeah. you know, that's fine. That, that helps you. You're good. But if you're a regular, if you're a regular Joe who's barely paying his bills every month or has a little bit of money left over, but doesn't have 50 grand to give to an attorney. Yeah, you're, you've got some problems. You do. You're in a hole, a big deep hole. There's no doubt about it. Right. I really didn't realize how common and how uh, easy this was. Now, one of the things that I don't think people, a lot of people don't realize, they think, well, my home title is locked up in some safe in an office and it's safe, but how easy is it to find people's home titles? They're pretty accessible, aren't they? Absolutely. It's public information. Anybody can go online and pull up their neighbor's title, you know, they can pull up their neighbor's deed, their neighbor's mortgage, you know, or you can just go downtown and go into public records and say, hey, listen, I have an address. I'd like to see the title work on this property. I'd like to know who owns it, when they bought it, how much they bought it for. I'd like to know if they have a mortgage on it. And the title recorder will say, absolutely. Come on over here. Let me show you how to sit down at the computer. And what do you want me to pull up? And they'll help you use the computer and you can print out the documents and go home and make your own mortgage or your own title. Wow. to that person's house and then go back and record it and transfer their house into your name. 
It is absolutely insane. Here you have public officials are unwittingly aiding and betting the crime because these documents right. are considered to be public records. Now, obviously, you went to prison. You reformed yourself. You work with law enforcement to stop this. How many times did you pull someone's title? How many times did you flip a house on someone? I mean, I've t- committed various forms of title fraud over probably 100, 150 houses. Wow. So the issue was I was good at it. Yep. And so at some point, the FBI got involved. They started chasing me. I traveled. I was basically on the run for three years, and, and I continued to do it. I mean, it's just too easy to not do it. And by the time the authorities figure out what's happened, I was always long gone. Yeah, that's and, the and thing. The discovery of the crime is long after it's happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, it could be months. It could be three months. It could be six months before these people even start getting foreclosed on. Then they, they have no clue. Wow. But, what I was going to say is that the thing is, is like when I was doing it, it was in its infancy. It's happening more and more all of the time. That's the scary thing. Is now there are crews of people out there that are doing this type of thing and, and they've really got it down. Yeah. No, this is a real this is a real threat. I talked to several law enforcement officials and it's becoming the one of the preferred financial crimes of the 21st century. Now, someone sitting here listening to this conversation, I know we probably scared the heck out of them, but they're saying, well, hey, I got homeowner's insurance. I got mortgage insurance. Does that protect me from this? And the answer is no, right? No, no, <laughs> no, no. That's like you have other people that will tell you, oh, well, at closing, I got a, a title policy. Yeah, right. Your title policy covered you up to the moment you purchased your property. That's All right. your title policy says is, hey, at this moment, you are the person that owns the house and the only cloud on your title is your mortgage that you use to borrow the house. Or maybe you basically just says your title's clean. It's in your name and it's clean. Well, two days later, I can transfer that title out of your name, borrow a million dollars on your house, take off, and you can't turn around and do anything. There's nothing you can do. That policy expired the moment you bought the house. Yeah. And then homeowner's insurance, well, they don't cover title fraud in right. homeowner's insurance. Yep. So, you know, none of those policies, they might make you feel good, but it's it's an illusion. Yeah, it's not going to protect you from this particular crime. And then people say, well, I, I've subscribed to some of the identity theft services. Most identity theft services, they don't cover this crime either, right? No, no. Even if I use identity theft, all they're going to do is say, okay, well, they're going to make some phone calls for you, but they're, they're not. They're not going to hire attorneys. They're not going to try right. and fix it. They're not the going to cover your bill for all the get right. your rights. That's assuming also, and that's assuming if I stole your identity. If I just transfer the title out of your name, which is yep. the bulk of the way I did it, I'll just transfer the title from your name to someone else's name to a stolen identity that I have. I mean, how does that help the homeowner? Yeah, the house isn't even in his name anymore. So even if he has identity theft, it doesn't matter. You don't own the house anymore. I didn't yeah. steal your identity. I took your house. Right, so let's go through this checklist. Homeowner's insurance doesn't cover it. Bank mortgage insurance doesn't cover it. Title insurance doesn't cover it. Most identity theft services don't cover it. So you're the guy that used to do this. How do I keep someone like you from stealing my home? What's the right way to keep home title thieves from getting possession of my home or mortgaging up my home? A title monitoring service like, you know, like home title lock. Right. That's, that's really the only way to prevent the crime or get notified that the crime occurred. So suddenly you would get an email or a phone call or whatever the, ser- whatever the service provides. They would contact you and say, listen, did you just transfer the deed of your house into someone else's name? And you immediately can now contact law enforcement. That, that's the worst thing for someone like me is to be caught in midstream. Yep. Like by the time my crime is revealed to you or title fraud is revealed to you, I need to be long gone. If I get caught in the middle of it, 
the whole thing falls apart. That's like, you know what it's like? It's like someone stealing your credit card and being at the counter going to purchase a new $2,000 TV and suddenly the bank stops the transaction. Like, yep. That's the worst case. Like if I've got the TV, it's in my car, I'm driving down the street and then they're notified. Yeah. So it's monitoring. Monitoring is what stops the crime. And if the people you victimized had had home title lock, would you have been stopped? Oh, absolutely. I would have been caught in the middle of the scam. Yeah. You know, that's the worst. I mean, you know, I, I can't even, there's no denying. Like, what do you do? I'm done. But, you know, luckily that was hardly ever the case. Yeah. No, it's remarkable when you hear that. And, and I tell you, I hear from law enforcement officials, this is a crime that's becoming more common. You see Eastern European gangs using it. It is a oh, real, oh, yeah. real, real issue in America. And, you know, like you said, when you started, uh, how long ago you started? About 10 years ago, 12 years ago, was it? A little bit longer? Yeah, about 15 years right. ago is when I was really in full, uh, yeah. full fraud mode. You were a pioneer so, at that point, but there are a lot of people that have followed in your footsteps since then. And, uh, oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I was on Dateline and American Greed. And, you know, those, those yeah. programs, you know, at the time I was one of the few people doing it. But now it's just, it's just taken off. I mean, and they're, they're so good now. They're so good at it. And the worst thing about it is, you know, the guys that are committing it, you know, they don't look like drug dealers. They look like you. You know, they're guy going to the office with a briefcase wearing, in the morning. Yeah, exactly. They, they, you think they're your buddies. They're yeah. shaking your hand. They're sitting in the in, in the house, waving to the neighbors. Unbelievable. You know, so there's nothing suspicious about them. I would walk into the bank, give them some fake documents. They'd lend me two hundred fifty thousand dollars and thank me for ripping them off. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. Well, that's why real time monitoring is so important. Why I've been involved in been a great partner with home title lock is that's really the only protection here you got to catch it at the first phases uh before the damage is done or you're spending a lot of time and expense digging out of this hole matthew any last thoughts as someone who's now you help the fbi and law enforcement all over the country now prevent this and and, and get ahead of this uh, any parting thoughts about if you're sitting at home wanting to protect that home today what's your best advice to to an everyday homeowner i mean i you know it's just so cheap. It's a few cents a day to monitor your property. People have identity theft protection. They have credit card protection. They have all these protections, and yet your biggest investment, people have this delusion that they're safe, and with just a few cents every day, they can they can be protected. They can have their property monitored. Unreal. just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, listen, it's such a small price to pay for a large peace of mind, and protecting that asset that we all work hard for everyone who's a homeowner that's where our biggest chunk of money goes every month to the mortgage and and upkeeping the house and why let some criminal walk off with that when you got an easy prevention opportunity Matthew, i want to thank you for your time i wanted to bring someone on who really did this crime so people can understand it's real and tangible and how it's carried out and i think you brought it to life in a way that i could never do myself and so i'm very grateful for the time today no problem. I appreciate you having me on. Well, it's a great honor. We may have you back in a few months. We want to keep this education campaign going. So that'd be great. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, good to talk to you, sir. All right. Thank you. All right. Folks, if you own a home, I guess right now after hearing that interview, you're feeling like, uh, what do I do? Well, it's a real simple thing. First things first, you should go 
check to see if your home title has already been tampered with, compromised. One way is by registering your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to select the code PODCAST because you heard it here on John Solomon Reports. It's in the drop-down menu. You get 30 free days of protection. That's a great deal. 30 free days of protection just for using the code PODCAST when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. Do it today. Get that peace of mind. Don't let one of Matthew's <laughs> successors have a crack at this crime. Cut him off at the pass. Get Home Title Lock now. It's worth it. Trust me. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Great interview. A special thanks to the governor of Iowa, the former ambassador to China, a man who's been a long-term public servant and in all of the roles he's played, really served the public in a way. That's why he got reelected so many times and elected so many times in Iowa. In one of the most turbulent times in American history, he was able to navigate the U.S.-Chinese relationship. I love the story he told us about the demarchments, the scoldings that occur when America flexes its muscle and, and stands for freedom in the South China Sea, in the Pacific. It's a fun little story you don't get to hear every day, but if you're an ambassador, that's part of the cat and mouse game of diplomacy. Great insights from the governor. You heard everything else he had to say. Important news all around from former Governor Terry Branstad, former ambassador to China. Very thankful that he could make so much time with us today. Great interview and uh, really look forward to having him back on someday again because we can never take our eye off China, the Uyghurs, the trade issues, the economic issues. And I, I thought just reflecting back, and it may be fun to rewind this podcast and go back to this moment, but Governor Branstad, Ambassador Branstad, was very careful to separate the Chinese communist government from its people. You can tell that the people of China care for America. They love our products. They love our quality. I suspect from the words he said that they yearn for our freedom, certainly in Hong Kong, where freedom has been erased in recent months. But he did a really a moment that you have to think about the significance of it, separating the Chinese communist government, which sometimes has ill intent, ill will towards America and to any system of personal freedom and personal liberty, and the people of China, the billion-plus people of China who have a very different yearning for America and American products and American culture, and probably would love to emulate our system of freedom if they could ever get out from the thumb of communism. Very insightful comments by the former ambassador to China. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We'll be back tomorrow with another great edition. 
Until then, may God bless you. May God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to the John Solomon Reports podcast from justthenews.com.